0: We have one more piece of thanksgiving and good news for you. Uh, it's in the person of uh, a good friend of ours, a guest, our guest, Greg Ely. Come on up, Greg. So you may know Greg or know of Greg. He is a tremendous friend of Heartland. He's been one of our overseers, a dear friend for a while. He is a, uh, an elder brother and sort of father of the church in Kansas City, which has been fantastic. He's a great man, a great husband, a great father. And I was gonna say a great teacher, but that wouldn't, that, that doesn't do justice. Because when this man takes the stage, he preaches. And so we are in for a real treat. Let's welcome our friend, Greg Eaton. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Glad to see you out this morning. And you know, I was just thinking this morning, you know, some of you may or may not remember that I actually preached here about 10 years ago. Um, with, uh, the, what if the church has changed pastor Dan and Jim West from Colonial, we did the try It's funny cause now I actually pastor at Colonial. So, <laughs> um, but my kids were five and seven at the time. That's crazy. Right? So now they're 15 and 17. So I know last time I was here, I was commenting on them tearing up your nursery walls. Now I got to wear them about them tearing up my cars. <laughs> Seriously. It's like, dude, where does this dent come from? I don't know, Dad. Okay, because it's the same color as the dent on my car. (laughs) (laughs) Figure that one out, right? Well, anyway, I'm glad to be here, glad to be having so much time, uh, fun with Shabu and Seth and um, just working through this whole thing and just know that I'm praying for you guys. Um, You guys are a part of my family, part of my church family, part of my family's family, and we're here to serve any way that we can. So for you here, for those of you online, thank you so much for joining us online as well. Um, let us open your Bibles, if you have your Bible, or your iPad, or your iPhone, or your Kindle, um, or in memory, right? And also it'll be on the screen. do you like options? <laughs> We're gonna be looking at 1 Timothy chapter two, beginning at first one. And it says this, first of all, then, I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of our Savior. You know, we've been working together on this series, looking up, seeing God we trust. And so, when I was thinking about the message, this is the passage God gave me, and the, the theme that I have for the day is, now what? <laughs> you know, now what? You know, on November the 4th, we woke up to a different day in America, and I feel so bad, because November the 4th is my 15-year-old's birthday. You know, and so the day before, November 3rd, I said, t- um, you know, we're gonna celebrate your birthday tomorrow. I don't know if it's gonna be in the basement, or a storm shelter, but we're going to celebrate it tomorrow, I promise you. Um, But we woke up to a different day in America. For some of you, you woke up with what you expected to happen, what you hoped for, what you voted for. You woke up to that. For someone, you woke up shocked and confused, wondering how do we end up here, wondering if life will ever be the same again. So the question is, now what? Voting is over, now what? Most of the offices are filled, now what? The president has all but been chosen, now what? We can gloat and point out those who lost, wondering why they're so upset. We can sulk and cry angry at those who voted for the winner. We can divide over issues that won't get us into heaven. We can determine not to talk to anyone who doesn't see our opinion as true. We can unfriend everyone who disagrees with us on Facebook. Amen. By the way, you can talk to me. I'm cool with that. You know, I'll talk to you. You talk to me. Let's make this a dialogue. But the question is, if you stop following all the people on Twitter who did not vote for the person you wanted to be, is that what God wanted you to do? Is this the will of God for the church. The reason I say the church is because over the last few months leading up to the election um, and even the days that have followed, what I have noticed is that the main proponents for division and fighting have been those who supposedly have been made new by the blood of Jesus. What I have noticed is that those who are most divided are those who claim to be in the body of Christ. If you're in the body of Christ, I want to contend today that there's a different action that we're supposed to take. We, we, I want to contend that um, as a peculiar people, we are to believe and behave in a way that the world sees as peculiar. As the body of Christ, listen, this is not our time to pick sides. This is our time to join hands. Because God is not the God of the Democrats and God is not the God of Republicans. I know that y'all didn't come here this morning to hear that, but I hate to break the news to you. You know, when Joshua was standing with the Israelites at the foot of um, Jericho wondering what was going to be next for Israel and perplexed at what was in the future and and, 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 um, and, um, Israel... So in Joshua chapter 5, verse 13 and 14, it says, Now it came about when Joshua was about by Jericho, that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, a man was standing opposite of him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went to him and said to him, Are you for us or for our adversaries? The angel said, No, rather I indeed come now as captain of the host of the Lord. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and bowed down and said to him, what is my Lord to say to his servant? I love that passage. Joshua asked the angel, whose side are you on? The angel said, no, you don't understand. God doesn't take sides. He takes over. <laughs> God doesn't vote parties. He has all power. God doesn't wait for election results because no matter who is voted in, he is still in control. So now What? Well, I want to propose to you that when Paul was giving his last instructions uh, to his young protege, Timothy, he left him with some instructions that I believe will help us as we deal with what we are encountering in America today as the church. There are three commands that I believe will help us stay in line with what the will of God is in the midst of what seems to be a hectic situation. Are you interested? Yeah, come on. You might as well. You showed up, right? First of all, pray for all men. Say that with me, pray for all men. First Timothy chapter two, verse one says, first of all, then I urge that entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men. He begins this statement of commands by saying, first of all, pray. In other words, before you start panicking, um, before you start plotting your comeback, before you start posting your feelings on social media, first of all, pray. Too often, the most spiritual institution in the world in the world forgets we're supposed to stay in contact with our command posts. Let me say that again. Too often, the most spiritual institution in the world forgets we are supposed to stay in contact with our command posts. We pop off so easily that prayer is the last thing on our mind when it should be the first thing on our mind. But when we fail to seek God first in matters of unrest, we show the world that our God is inadequate. When we fail to seek him first, we show the world that our God is inefficient. When we fail to seek him first, we fail to show the world that our God is able. This is the God who can save your soul. This is the God who changed my life. Put a new president, I don't know. This is the God who changed me, but but the riots in the streets, I don't know. And what's our normal reaction? Insults. Division, not prayer, fighting and arguing. Not prayer, Paul says, when it hits the fan, pray. When the sky's falling, pray. when the storm clouds rise, pray. before you do anything else, pray. pray. So how do we pray? It says, entreaties, prayers, and petitions. All of these words are used to to describe prayer in the New Testament. Um, They don't necessarily speak to different types of prayer. It's more that Paul was trying to emphasize the importance, entreaties, prayers, petitions. Do something besides criticize. Before you start criticizing, before you start pointing fingers, Please, entreat, intercede, call on the name of the Lord. This is our time to pray. Pray for what? Pray for God to show himself in the midst of this chaos. Pray for God to show himself mighty when it seems like things are out of control. Pray that God will make himself known as the creator when people are acting like there is no God. Pray. Pray. If you voted for Trump, pray for the Biden supporters. If you voted for Biden, pray for the Trump supporters. No matter who you voted for, I got to tell you this, we all need to be prayed for. But the last command is perplexing. He says, giving thanks for them. Giving thanks for them. What? You you don't understand. I totally disagree with their politics. Give thanks for them. Like, you don't understand. I've spent spent months trying to fight against them. Give thanks for them. How can I give thanks for someone whom I feel is heartless and wrong and does not have my interest in mind? Well, 1 Thessalonians 5 and 18 says, in everything give thanks. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. I may not understand, but I trust him. I may not agree, but I trust his will. I may, I may have to see what he wants me to do next, but I trust him. This make me hurt. This may make me, um, be, be angry. This may upset me, but I trust him. You know, oftentimes when I pray, one of the hardest thing I have to do is thank God for the trials. Thank God for the tribulations. Thank God for the valleys. Thank God for the thorns. Thank God for the persecution. Because the trials are what let me know what kind of God I serve. You know, I think about the the three Hebrew boys. You know, had they not ever been thrown in a fire, they would not know that one more could show up. Because some lessons are best learned in fiery furnaces. If I wasn't thrown in a fire, I wouldn't want to work with you. If I wasn't thrown in a fire, I wouldn't learn how to cry out to God. If I wasn't thrown in a fire, I wouldn't know what it feels like to walk through flames and not smell like smoke. We all need prayer. I'm brought to break some troubling news to you. There is not a perfect person in this room. Online, if you're listening, there's not a perfect person listening to this today. There will never be a perfect person in office. You ever, you ever seen the movie John Q? Heard of it? If you haven't, go home, Google it. Netflix it or whatever you do. But the movie John Q is where this man is holding up an emergency room and he's trying to get his son a heart and so the police call into the emergency room and they ask John Q, is everyone okay? And he responded, It's an emergency room. We're all sick. <laughs> Some of y'all will get that on the way home. <laughs> Somebody's explaining to their partner, In emergency room, sick people. This is life. We're all sick. This is the earth. We're, we're all sick. We are human, and we are all sick. This is America. We are sick. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We're all sick with sin. We're all sick with unrighteousness. We're all sick with injustice. We're all sick with racial bias. We're sick. So what does that mean? It means pray for all men, because we are all sick. First, we learn we must pray. For all men. Secondly, I want you to learn this pray for our authority. Say that with me. Pray for our authorities. First Timothy 2, verse 2, it says, For kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in godliness and dignity. You see, Nero was the Roman emperor at the time, and Nero had a growing resentment towards Christians which came to full bloom about AD 64. And there was a general disintegration of the Roman Empire because of Nero's wasteful spending and his luxury. So what does he do? He begins to take it out on Christians, and Christians begin to suffer persecution from the Roman authorities. Having recently been released from his Roman prison, Paul was greatly aware of the deteriorating political atmosphere, so he urged prayer for the salvation of all men, but especially the rulers, so that the stable, calm environment of previous days may be recovered. Paul realized that until the kings and emperors found Jesus, there was little hope. No matter who is voted in as president, they both need Jesus. A sin-sick soul can't operate with godly character. A sin-sick soul can't have a heart that forgives in the face of wrongdoing. A sin-sick heart can't love someone who's unlovable. We have to pray for our president's salvation, fervently pray, because the blood of Jesus can save anyone. Save me. The songwriter says, when I was sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, sinking to rise no more, but the master of the sea heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me. Now safe am I. The same pool of sin God pulled me out of holds presidents and governors and senators and congressmen and judges and the same God can lift them out of it all. The same God can rescue the same God and save them all. The text said that authority is put in place by God so that we can live a tranquil, peaceful life. The world is bad. Imagine it with no government. The world is bad. Imagine it with no police. The world is bad, imagine it with no lawmakers. God instituted the lawmakers so that we may have a level of peace that would not be there otherwise. And so we are to give thanks for them. And he said, for kings and all who are in authority, in this day, the king will be equivalent as the head of the land. For us, it represents the president. Notice he did not say, pray for the person you voted for. He didn't say, pray against the one you didn't vote for. That means you cannot wish that person who won fails because you didn't vote for him. That means you can't sit back and wait for it to crash so that you can say, I told you so. If you want to be united, you have to pray for whoever's chosen. Does that mean you go for everything that person proposes? No. It means you follow the laws in place to express your disagreement while you walk in the decisions that have clearly been said. It means a civil disobedience. It means righteous indignation. It means having a holy unrest while keeping your Christian testimony. You see, what you have to understand is the authorities are under submission of the one who is in authority. Did you catch that? The authorities are under the submission of the one who is in authority. Authority is given. It's assigned to a person by a given group. The president has authority because he's been voted in by a majority to have authority. Governor is voted in because of the mercy of the election. The only reason they have authority is because the people have stated, this is the person by majority we want to have authority over us. But God does not submit. God has no authority that gives him authority. He gives himself authority. And he, no matter what, is in control. I was um, reading a story about this guy who's running to the plane. He's running in an airport, running to the plane, and he ran into a man who was walking and just kind of whistling, walking along. He said, I'm trying to get on the plane to New York. We need to hurry. The man says, I'm going to the same plane. Calm down. He said, we got to hurry up. You don't understand. He said, hey, I, I promise the plane is not going anywhere, but we need to get there. How are you so calm? How are you so at ease? He said, because I'm the pilot. They can't leave because I'm in control. It may seem like there is a president in control, but God is telling us I am the pilot. The plane doesn't leave without me. The world doesn't rotate without me. Calm down. The sun doesn't rise without me. The moon doesn't shine without me. Calm down. You can rest no matter who is president because at the end of the day, God is in control. He's the pilot. And nothing moves without him in God we trust, right? Yeah. Let's wrap up here. First of all, we learn, pray for all men. Secondly, we learn, pray for all our authorities. Thirdly, praise the Almighty. Say that together. Praise the Almighty. First Timothy 2, verse 3. It says, this is good and acceptable in the sight of, our, of God our Savior. Notice, the person who is telling you to do this and the person you are to answer to is God. It says this is good and acceptable in the sight of God. Paul didn't tell you to do this because a certain party feels this is the right thing to do. Paul didn't say do this because a certain party now controls the House and the Senate his instructions are, you are the children of the Most High because you are the children of the Most High as those whose Father is in control of everything. Do what I ask and pray for all men, especially those in authority. Why? Because God is our Savior. You see, when you were born, you were born in sin, shaped in iniquity. You were useless, hopeless. Dead spiritually. God knew this, and so in order to provide you with life, he sent his only begotten son. His son came to earth, walked this earth, experienced ridicule, harassment by religious people who were stuck on the status quo. His son was nailed to the cross. They buried him in a grave. But he rose from the dead with all power in his hands so that we can all have the right to the tree of life. So Paul says... Don't you think the God who provided us with the Savior knows how to still be God no matter who's in the seat of authority? Come on. Do you think that God who provided his only begotten son can still be omnipotent no matter if a Republican or Democrat is in office? Do you think that God is baffled because he didn't know about the election results? My God is able no matter who's in office. My God is able no matter who owns the Senate. My God is able no matter who's the governor. My God is able no matter who's the attorney general. My God is just plain old able. That's what my grandma would say. He just plain old able. And like he said, he says, God provided us a savior. See, the other day we rallied to the polls, some people stayed in line for hours. When they finally reached the booth, they were given a ballot and on that ballot were names of offices that were waiting for us to decide who we thought would best serve in those offices. And then later that night, we all waited to see who the majority voted for. After we found out who was voted for, we were informed that a person was named president. The highest office on the ballot was president of the United States. I don't think she caught that. The highest office on the ballot was President of the United States. We were voting for President of the United States, not King of Kings. We were voting for President of the United States, not Lord of Lords. Last time I checked, there was no ballot for who would be our Savior. There was no ballot for who would be Alpha and Omega. There was no ballot for who would be the lily of the valley. There was no ballot for who would be the bright morning star. There was no ballot for who would be the priest of peace. We were waiting all night to see who was the majority vote. I'm here to tell you today, Jesus doesn't need a majority. He's just Jesus. (laughs) Because the scripture tells me that every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord, not president. That he is Lord, not governor. That he is Lord, not senator, not congressman. He is Lord. Why should I worry about who is president as long as I serve the king of kings? Why should I worry about who is president as long as I serve the most high God, El Shaddai, the Almighty? I don't hope in people. I hope in God. I don't hope in elections. I hope in God. My mother would say it like this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. All of the ground is sinking sand. I want to tell you this today. Trump didn't die for my sins. Biden wasn't bruised for my transgressions. It's not by the stripes of the Senate that I'm healed. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all of the ground, all of the ground, Democrat, Republican, politics, money, business, all of the ground. Sink and sand. So when it's put to to the test, when, when life is put to the test, when we are put to the test as believers and Christians, all we have to do is think in this one thought, it is in God we trust. Not people. In God we trust. And the church said amen. 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 God, we bless you today. We thank you, Lord, that you are in control. We didn't have to worry about election results. We do not have to worry about outcomes and news reports. Father, we thank you that when we woke up Wednesday morning, we found out what you already knew. We thank you, Father, we will continue to be tethered as the worshiper said, to you, on Christ the solid rock we stand. All of the ground, seeking and stand. Amen. Thank you all so much for letting me come minister to you today. Thank <laughs> you all. We love you. And if there's nothing else, we're ready to stand for a quick benediction. Let us pray now unto him who is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all we ask or imagine, according to the power that is at work within us. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, dominion, honor, and praise, not just now, but forevermore. And all those who agree, say amen. 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 God bless you, you're dismissed.